0: It's not going to be good for anyone long-term if we have real pain, if we have like real blowouts, and uh, and it's not fair to customers, and uh, it's not going to be good for regulation, it's not going to be good for anything. And that was Sam Bankman-Fried, the former CEO of cryptocurrency company FTX, speaking just a few months ago about the idea of bailing out failing cryptocurrency companies to safeguard what he described as the crypto ecosystem. Of course, FTX won't be bailing out anyone, not even itself. The company has filed for bankruptcy after a tumultuous week in which its cryptocurrency FTT collapsed and withdrawals from investors were frozen. And the upheaval now indeed appears set to hemorrhage into the ecosystem that Bankman Freed was so keen to protect. Welcome to MLEX's podcast hosted by me, James Paniki. and this week we'll delve into the collapse of FTX. We'll postpone for now our scheduled chat on the DOJ's response to common ownership. We hope to get to that in coming weeks. Now, the new CEO of FTX, John J. Ray, says that the cryptocurrency company suffered a complete failure of corporate controls in what amounted to an unprecedented debacle. So there's lots of pain ahead, clearly. And what always interests us here at MLEX is the extent to which an event like this is likely to rally regulators around the world. Phoebe Sears is a London based MLEX correspondent. She's been covering the FTX case this week with particular interest, and she joins us now. So, Phoebe, uh, in a nutshell, Tell us uh, what happened. What we need to know.
1: Okay, James. So, FTX, once the fourth largest uh, crypto exchange in the world, uh, valued only this year at something like thirty-two billion dollars, has filed for bankruptcy. And um, the exchange and its coin FTT ran into trouble last week when a crypto-focused publication, uh, CoinDesk, reported the financial information of a trading firm within the FTX group, Alameda Research. Uh, the, the report uh, showed that Alameda had very considerable liabilities and the largest liquid assets by far that it held were the FTT token that was created by the group company FTX. And it, it valued its holding of those tokens kind of well above their market capitalization. So this was not a good look and the news sent FTX customers and investors scrambling to withdraw their money. Over the next few days, customers take out something like $6 billion from the exchange. It's not sustainable, and the exchange puts a block on all customer withdrawals. Uh, the company's now filed for bankruptcy, so anyone who didn't get their money out is likely an unsecured creditor and will wait a long time to see it, if if they do.
0: Now, whenever a prominent company collapses, the victims are usually many and varied. In this case, who are the victims? Who has been affected by the collapse?
1: Well, one of the most interesting things about this whole saga that's emerged is that uh, most of the investors were actually large, uh, sophisticated institutional funds, uh, many of them household names, uh, for example, Sequoia Capital, uh, SoftBank, uh, two very large Canadian teachers, pension plans, uh, much more, many more like this. Uh, presumably, those companies have fairly rigorous due diligence procedures that they have to go through before making an investment, yet FTX was able to pull the wool over their eyes. You know What hope do the rest of us have? <laughs>
0: yes, indeed, that's a, a bit of a, a sad state of affairs. But what does this mean for FTX now? Is it all over?
1: Well, there's been a massive response in the US. Um, it's since emerged that the trading company, Alameda Research, was using FTX customer funds to pay off the loans it had taken out. Parallels have already been drawn between FTX and Bernie Madoff and his $65 billion Ponzi scheme, and also another legendary fraud, Enron. So FTX filed for bankruptcy last Friday. Since then, we've seen the US Department of Justice and the Securities Exchange Commission have both announced investigations, um, as has the Securities Commission of the Bahamas, which is home to an important FTX unit, and the Bahamas Financial Crimes Investigation Branch. Uh, we see members of Congress from both sides of the political spectrum calling for further action. Uh, FTX investors have already filed a class action suit against the exchange's founder, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, a kind of huge personality in the crypto world, who uh, was often dubbed you know, the crypto king. So it's likely that also his behaviour is going to come under very close scrutiny, particularly, uh, one example, his tendency to tweet, you know, everything's fine, Uh, the exchange is solvent, even when things were already unravelling, and it was clearly far from.
0: Now, one of the biggest questions about the FTX story is whether it points to, uh, you know, an overarching weakness in the crypto sector, or whether the specific things that FTX is accused of, which you've just uh, listed, you know, the improper uh, use of billions of dollars of customer funds to put into Alameda Research, whether those things are so specific that this collapse won't take down other crypto, uh, cryptocurrencies and crypto companies with it. What's, what's your view on that?
1: Look, there's no doubt about it that in this case, there was a bad actor. OK, but this is bad news for crypto generally. You know, confidence in the sector, which took a hit earlier in the year when the Luna crypto network and its algorithmic stablecoin Terra crashed, is really shaky Um, I think one important repercussion is that traditional finance firms are going to treat crypto and the big personalities that come with it very cautiously. Um, It will necessitate a much greater degree of due diligence on any future investment. um, And that's going to make it a lot harder for crypto firms to raise finance. Another likely impact, if you take a step back and think, you know, how on earth has this happened? Well one of the reasons FTX was able to get its group and its finances into such a mess is because crypto is pretty much unregulated, you know. There was no requirement for the exchange to disclose audited financial statements, for example, or put uh, people with necessary skills and training in management positions. So if this episode teaches us anything, it's that that has got to change.
0: Yes, now regulators not just in the UK, the US, but all around the world, I assume, are now quickly scrambling to develop rules that might be able to counter these types of scenarios. What might those rules look like in practice?
1: It's a good question and we are, you know, as you say, like we're gonna see different countries doing their own thing, but definitely there's got to be a focus on protecting retail investors and managing risk. So that will likely entail uh, rules around governance There will also be a push for greater transparency. So we might expect to see with, you know, some of the larger crypto companies requirements around audit and public disclosures of assets and liabilities. There's also um, a discussion about the role of social media. I haven't uh, mentioned it today, but another interesting aspect of the FTX crash was the extent to which a tweet by the CEO of a rival exchange, Binance, uh, that he was liquidating his holding of FTT. Uh, Binance is the world's largest crypto exchange, and uh, might have been partly responsible for the huge withdrawals that led to the value of the coin and its exchange plummeting. So, social media could actually be another focus for regulators. Where I am in London, the Bank of England has said that the FTX bankruptcy hasn't risked the stability of the financial system here. But I've been at a crypto conference just this morning where a member of the Financial Stability Board was talking about the rapid growth of of crypto and some of the vulnerabilities I've mentioned, and he said crypto asset markets will soon reach a point where they do pose a threat to the stability of the global financial system. Regulation is overdue and a coordinated approach is needed between countries to manage this risk. Uh, Again, in the UK, there's a bill going through Parliament now that will bring crypto assets within the regulator's remit. Uh, It's going to make stable coins a recognised form of payment and subject to existing strict payments rules in the UK. And there will be new rules around promoting crypto assets. So change is coming, uh, but this space has been moving slowly. I think with what we've seen in the last week or so, the pressure is on governments to act faster now.
0: Phoebe, this has been an incredible story with no doubt a lot more still to come. Thank you so much for following it for us.
1: Thanks, James. Pleasure to talk to you.
0: Phoebe Sears is an MLEX correspondent covering financial services and financial crime from London and will post a link to Phoebe's most recent reporting on the FTX case at our website, MLEXMarketInsight.com. That's M L E X MarketInsight.com. You'll see a tab called News Hub. If you click on that, you'll have the very best of MLEX's reporting and analysis at your fingertips. Subscribers, of course, will have access to the full gamut of Mlex's reporting on the FTX case. For example, our Southeast Asian correspondent Jet Damaso Santos has filed a very interesting piece about Singapore's response to the case, which I think offers some insight into what the regulatory landscape may ultimately start to look like around the world. There's plenty to catch up on. Almost time to wrap things up. Just a warning that next week's podcast may pop up in your feed a little earlier than usual. Our Brussels-based data privacy and security team has been at the International Association of Privacy Professionals Congress this week, and there will be a special podcast from the team to mark the publication of a special report next week. And the week after that, another expanded podcast ahead of the publication of a special report from Japan based on an extended interview with the JFTC's chairman Kazuyuki Furuya. It's all happening, but if you've subscribed to our podcast, you won't miss a thing and don't forget to do so on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify and Stitcher. Rate and review us, it helps us to attract new listeners. The Mnex podcast is presented and produced by me James Paniki. It's published with the help of Mnex's marketing team in London and our executive producer is Richard Thompson. From all of us here at Mlex and LexisNexis, thank you for your company. I'll see you again soon. Bye for now.